Change, as we all know, is the one thing that's constant in our lives. And fellow midlifers will likely agree with me that change does not stop when we reach midlife. If anything, it feels as if we're dealing with change all the time. Now, some of these changes we deliberately introduce into our lives, such as when we intentionally change our lifestyle or eating habits, for example. All too often, the changes are externally driven, but we know about them ahead of time and we can plan and ease into them, such as often is the case with retirement. But sometimes the change happens seemingly out of nowhere, or it's happening sooner than we thought, and we are caught sort of unprepared. What do we do then? That's what I want to talk about in today's episode, so buckle up. You're listening to Second Breaks, the show where we talk about feeling better, doing better, and being better in midlife and beyond. I'm Lee Blazer. I think it's not going to be breaking news to anyone for me to say that the more that we can plan for an eventual change ahead of time, the better off we are going to be when it finally happens. The process of planning something helps us get ready for the impending change. It helps us prepare mentally, emotionally, sometimes physically, and financially too, so that when the thing actually happens, we feel some level of confidence that we can handle things. We have some idea about what we need to do, where we need to start, or most importantly, why we are even doing the things on our to-do list, we understand the rationale behind the things. So nothing new there. Plan as much as possible, as early as possible, if we can. But what happens when the change is sudden? What do we do when we didn't have enough time to plan or to get ready? Of course, the first thing to do is not to panic or to feel despondent. Or try at least not to feel those things. And to remind ourselves that we can handle this. But beyond those very important reminders, what else can we do? Today I want to share with you what happened with me some years ago that actually is also related to the topic that we've been talking about here uh, on the podcast for a few weeks now. I've been sharing bits and pieces of my own retirement story. I often share some of the challenges or the stumbling blocks that I've experienced um, in a lot of the episodes, actually. But I realized that I never actually shared the full story. So there's no context to these bits and pieces. And I want to rectify that today. I want to share my story because it is related to handling change when you are unprepared. Because my friend, You see, my retirement from my corporate life wasn't planned for. I was, for all intents and purposes, unprepared for it. And I met a lot of challenges and made a lot of mistakes. And from all of those things, of course, the lessons learned. So today I want to briefly set the scene. I'll tell you about why the retirement wasn't planned. And then I'll talk about the challenges that I faced, followed by the mistakes that I committed And then I'll end it with the lessons learned that I think we can all remember when we're facing unplanned challenges in our lives. Okie dokie, let's set this up. What happened? (laughs) 
I was just turning 49 when it happened. Retirement was the farthest thing from my mind. I was at the time a senior director of IT strategy and implementation. It was a fairly significant leadership role and I had a goal. My goal was to continue up my career track. My next step would either be as an assistant CIO for a mid-sized company or maybe even a CIO for a smaller company. So I had my plan. I was on track. And then something happened that caused me to take a big pause. The specifics of the event, um, they're not as important as the big picture. The important thing is that I hit a massive brick wall. My body for years had been telling me that I was operating under extreme amount of stress, but I had been ignoring the signs and I had been seriously neglecting my self-care routines. And so I landed in a hospital. The doctors there told me that I needed to immediately do something about the level of stress in my life. And if I didn't do something with that in my lifestyle, if I didn't change it, then I, you know, they could give me meds, but I'm going to just end up back there in a month or two or worse. And so that time I took it seriously. I got scared. So as soon as they discharged me from the hospital, I gave my two months notice. And then back then, I had a good relationship with a couple of headhunters. Uh, they know me fairly well. We've worked before when I was trying to fill some positions. And so they kind of know my career track. And I told them that I was going to take a break, but I would need their help in a couple of months to get back on track. And they said, no problem. They know my career history. And they said that if I took a couple of months break, that shouldn't be a problem. They're going to keep their eyes open and they're going to help me out. So off I went. I was living in uh, New York, New Jersey at that time. And uh, I had a condo in Florida. So I moved myself temporarily to be closer to the beach and uh, read books, walk along the water, watch the sunrise, eat seafood, that kind of stuff. So it was glorious, glorious uh, three months um, that I planned to have and that I did have. But the three months turned to six, which then turned to nine months. And when the headhunter started calling me, he had a position he had in mind that he thought it was a good one, it's a good fit for me, and that he thought I should pursue. I kept dodging his calls. And then I finally, I called him back and I said, you know, I'm not sure that I want to get back on that uh, treadmill again. And so this is why this retirement was unplanned because all the time I wasn't thinking actively about leaving my corporate career. Those six or nine months that I was on a break, I wasn't thinking about my next steps, let alone quitting or retiring from my career. The realization that I wanted to leave my corporate life came to me only when the headhunter was talking to me about a real position. And that's when I realized, and in like neon flashing lights, that I no longer wanted to go back. I no longer wanted that life. So that's what happened. Oh my goodness, I don't want to go back. I don't want that life anymore. So here are the challenges that I faced at that point. Number one, big one, I had no idea what I wanted to do or should do next. 
My focus during those months had been on getting healthy, rightfully so. I was treating it like an extended vacation. I mean, I took on some personal projects like fixing the condo, having it repainted, stuff like that. So I got busy. And then I also reconnected with some of the things that I enjoyed doing in the past, but I hadn't had time to to do them, like writing specifically. I enrolled in a creative writing class and I started working on a novel. But I mean, really, those things were hobbies. They're not necessarily something I'd like to do for the rest of my life. Although, to be honest, there was a quick minute there that I thought maybe I could be a novelist. But (laughs) I mean, in all seriousness, I wasn't really thinking that long term. At the point in time that I told the headhunter I didn't want to pursue the opportunity and I didn't want to return to corporate life, I honestly did not have any serious idea about what to do next. So big challenge. Challenge number two was financial. I had some savings in the bank, but I had been using it slowly during those nine months. And I wasn't set up to be fully retired yet. As in, I mean, to not be earning a living anymore for the rest of my life. I wasn't set up for that. I wasn't prepared for that. And so I knew that whatever I decide to do next, it had to be able to support me financially. And again, I had no idea what that would be. All I knew was that I didn't want to go back to my previous life. I was having fun learning about all the other ways that people were working and making a living outside a corporate structure, which was the only way that I knew how to make a living back then. But all these people were setting up their businesses. They're becoming their own bosses through freelancing or consulting and those kinds of stuff and online business. Oh my goodness, what is that, right? And I was thinking, hey, you know, I could do that. But I had no experience in starting a business and I knew no one who had ever started a business. And to be honest, (laughs) I didn't really even have a strong idea about what business I might want to start. So that's a challenge. And big challenge number three, people were beginning to ask me what in the world I was doing or planning to do. And I could feel the pressure. I mean, I think the story that I was taking a break or going on sabbatical, I think that story worked for the first few months. But after a while, I was getting asked questions that required just a little bit more thought (laughs) in order to answer properly. And, you know, maybe the pressure was self-imposed But even so, I was feeling the pressure and it was increasing exponentially since that moment that I admitted the truth that I didn't want to go back to my original career path anymore. I felt the need to come up with the answers to these nagging questions and I felt the need to come up with the answers fast. Okay, so those were the challenges. Here comes the mistakes. <laughs> so I I, uh, I bucketed this into three big mistakes or three buckets of mistakes, put it that way. But these resulted in other, you know, smaller mistakes, downstream mistakes. But I mean, really the root cause were these three things that I wanted to share with you. So mistake number one, I did not seek help. I mean, I was seeing a therapist back then, but on hindsight, I could have used the help of a life coach. And then as I said previously, I didn't have any experience setting up a business. 
And so when I decided to start one, I could have benefited greatly had I sought the help of a business coach. I mean, the recent episode where I talked with uh, Diane Tarches, I think it's episode 180, that conversation really highlighted for me this uh, big miss. I mean, had I consulted with her or someone like her, it would have helped me a lot. Um, I could have avoided a lot of the headaches and the heartaches and made my transition to business ownership a lot smoother. Hey, we're going to get back to the show just now. I just wanted to pop in quickly and mention that this podcast is made possible by Midlife Cues. Now, Midlife Cues is a weekly digital newsletter for midlifers, anybody who self-identifies as a midlifer, really. And it's about intentional living and being our best in the second half of our lives. And I want to invite you to give it a try. Head on over to midlifecues.com. That's midlifecues.com to sign up. Okie dokie, let's get back to the show. I think when we left off, I just got done talking about mistake number one. Here's the rest of it. Big mistake number two, I jumped immediately into action mode. I became instantly focused on action, on doing something. Instead of taking the time to think about the strategy and the approach of what I'm doing, I felt like I needed to show the movement. And looking back now, I know that this was my way of addressing the pressure that I was feeling about, you know, needing to show to others that I knew what I was doing. Especially as, you know, by that point, I had been on sabbatical for several months and I felt like I should be doing something at this point. And so I, like I said, I got busy. And this is somewhat of a double-edged sword because on the one hand, you want to be taking action and not stuck in analysis paralysis. But at the same time, you also want to have thought of the thing enough before you took action. Mistake number three, I didn't take the opportunity to design my new life, and this was a big miss. I didn't think about the kind of life that I want to be living. I didn't think about the whole picture. Um, It was a fresh start for me in a sense, but I didn't take that opportunity to design the new life. Instead, I focused on one component of it, the work, All my questions and my actions were centered around the kind of work that I will do and how I was going to make a living going forward. I didn't ask crucial questions like, what do I want more of in my life? Who do I want to become? Like big questions like those that granted were harder to answer, but they were exactly the kinds that could help me design my new life. And so it's really no surprise that I ended up moving towards a direction that I have since reversed. Okie dokie. Here comes the good stuff, the lessons learned, right? Because what is it? There's this saying that uh, whether we succeed or not, we win because we learn anyway. (laughs) 
that's exactly how I'm looking at this thing. So out of all those challenges that I faced and mistakes that I made, I learned so much valuable lessons that I know I can apply uh, going forward anytime that I'm facing a change in my life, whether it's deliberate or unexpected. And so I wanted to share these lessons with you because I think they uh, it could be useful for you as well. So lesson number one, you don't get an award for going it alone. So why would you, right? Most of us grew up placing a high value on self-reliance and self-discipline. We were taught that to have a strong willpower is to have dominion over ourselves, all of which is true. But taken to extreme, this kind of thinking could lead us to a tendency to go it alone, to not seek help. As if to seek help is to admit that we can't do it or that we don't have the ability or the competency. And one major life lesson that I've learned is that we can take this rugged individualism too far. That there is a way to balance, a healthier balance of strong self-reliance and being open to other people's help. When life hands us unexpected plot twists and we find ourselves in uncharted waters, it's not only okay to ask for help. I posit that it's actually the smart way forward. It's smart because it shortens the distance between not having a clue what to do and having a preliminary plan. Help can come in different forms. It can come in the form of providing answers or a path to help us find the answers ourselves. Help can also sometimes take the form of more questions. And I know that sounds frustrating, but it actually is quite helpful. The right set of questions can guide us to the right set of actions. We can seek help from family, from friends, or from our network, or we can seek the help of professionals, such as a therapist or a life coach or a business coach, if you happen to be starting a business. In an upcoming episode, I'm actually going to explore this further and we're going to try to understand when to seek what kind of help. So stay tuned for that. Lesson number two, find an anchor, find a stabilizing peace. In late summer 2021, I temporarily moved to Asia to spend time with my mom. And this wasn't a short vacation. This was an uprooting of my life in the U.S. and moving to the Philippines. Which, by the way, Philippines had visited that place for 20 years and then living there for an indefinite period of time. Now, to be clear, this was not an unexpected change. This was something that was carefully planned. It was discussed. It was mulled over for a long time. But the one thing that I did this time that helped me tremendously, something that I didn't do when I unexpectedly retired, was that I, I identified an anchor. The one thing in my life that will remain the same, that's not going to change, that I will not change no matter where I land in the Philippines. And for me, that was my work. And specifically, the continued writing and publishing of Midlife Cues and the publication of this podcast. My work was my 
stabilizing peace. It would have been perfectly understandable and easier, much, much easier, to put all of these things on hold, to take a break from all the things that I had to do, from the routines that were required to produce the weekly newsletter. But in fact, it was those routines that helped me get grounded fast, get faster even. I felt that through all the changes that I was experiencing, even though everything felt new and strange and awkward and difficult, that I am still me, that I didn't lose myself in the process. The center held. Lesson number three, treat it like a fresh start, a new chapter in life, and take the time to design it. In her book, How to Change, Katie Milkman talks about the power of fresh starts as a catalyst for profound changes in our lives. She says, we should be looking for opportunities to capitalize on life changes, to reevaluate what matters most to us. Whether it's an illness, a promotion, or a move to another town, it could offer just the disruption we needed to turn our lives around. An unexpected life change is just that, a disruption of our normal way of living and being. It can be scary and nerve-wracking at first, and it's understandable perfectly that what we want is a return to normal before all the things change. And so after we've calmed down a bit, after we've asked all the normal questions along the lines of, why is this happening to me? I suggest that we start looking at this as a unique opportunity because in essence, we are being handed a tabula rasa, a clean slate. We have a unique chance to design what to put in that clean canvas, to say to ourselves, okay, this is a new reality now. How do I want to be in this new reality? And if you think about it, this is exactly what the pandemic gave us the chance to do, to ask ourselves the questions What do I want more of in my life? How do I want to be on the other side of this thing? What are the essentials? Because the alternative, when we don't actively design what this new life is going to be about, is that we let ourselves be solely driven by the events, which may lead us down a path that chances are we're not going to be happy with. Lesson number four. The point of asking your questions is not to demonstrate that you know the answers right away. Part of why change is hard, especially the unexpected kind, is the uncertainty that comes with the change. It is unnerving when things change so much that we don't know the answers anymore. Worse, when we don't even know where to begin. We don't know where to look for the answers. I have a tendency to want to find the answers fast so that I can start moving. As I alluded to in the previous section, I have a natural bias for action. And so that means I'm looking for answers as quickly as I can so I can move, move, move. But here's the thing I'm learning now is that we don't need the final perfect answer to take a step forward. We can approach it as an experiment, not as the definitive plan. Better yet, embed the experimentation in the plan if you're someone like me who must have a plan. We ask critical questions not to show ourselves that we know the answers, but in order to give ourselves the space to discover the answers. 
And this does not mean that we are in the meantime paralyzed, stuck in analysis and planning. This means that we are taking steps to discover and learn what we don't know yet. All right, to wrap up this episode, I want to ask you a few questions. What change in your work or in your life are you experiencing right now? Whether it's something you deliberately introduced in your life or unexpectedly. What's been the most challenging part of that change? And can you apply some of the lessons that we discussed today? Finding help or finding a kindred spirit through your network or a new community, taking the time to design the kind of life or experience you want to have going forward, identifying an anchor, that part of your life that's not going to change, asking big, often tough questions, and then taking steps forward as experiments. Unexpected life changes can be unsettling, no doubt about it. It can leave us feeling unmoored and uncertain about our future, even feeling a little lost and not having enough confidence to move forward. But by looking at this uncomfortable period as a new beginning, we can turn this into a rare opportunity to intentionally redesign our lives. That's all I have for you today. If you'd like to read the entire written version of this episode, please head on over to secondbreaks.com. Do you know someone who could benefit from this particular episode? Why not share it with them? Or share the episode on social media? You sharing the word about the podcast is the best way to reach other midlifers who could benefit from the topics that we cover on the show. And I thank you so much for helping me out. Okie dokie. I'll be back in a couple weeks with a new episode. Until then, keep on making your dent, my friend. Go Beans!